Hi, guys. It's good to be here. Uh, it's, f- it's fun to preach at your church. I, I've been going here for nine years, which is kind of crazy. And I usually sit in the back on a couch. <laughs> it's comfortable. I like that. And um, just really honored. And especially because uh, it's a big Sunday for the church. Think about 75 years. I'm not 75. I'm close. But... Um, <laughs> just amazing the legacy of people that have been in this community that have fought for a church building and uh, presence of Jesus in the community. It's pretty impressive, and I'm just glad I get to be a small part of that. And I get to preach on this Sunday, which is really sweet. (laughs) It's a great honor. I know some of you. It's nice to see some of you that I know. I also know that some of you don't know who I am, and you're like, who's that? Who's that guy? So I thought I'd share a little bit of my life. I, uh, I was a kid in Chicago. Um, and I know we just came out of the Christmas season, um, but that's me. Um, I'm on the left. Okay. Gosh. Um, but I'm excited to be. That's my beautiful sister uh, on the right. But this is me in Chicago as a little kid after Christmas, which is like the greatest. This is me in high school, 75. I thought that made sense. Go back to that other one. Go back to the other one. Hold on. This one. It's me in high school at prom. See that? You're supposed to take the picture in front with the girl of the pillars, but I was like, no. Um, I, like to, I like to go out with girls. This is one of the dates we went on. Go to the other one. We went out on the lake, but we kind of ruined the joke because we showed it to you already. But it's not, that's not really me. just thought it was just funny because the boat's out of the water. Anyway, so it's, it's fun, to, fun to be here. This is my wife. I met this girl uh, a bunch of years ago now, it feels like, which is great. We're going to be six years in May. Um, started dating in 08. She's a beautiful Latina gal, Catholic gal, who loves people really well. Um, this is probably one of my favorite pictures of her, right after we got married. married and um, pretty special, pretty special to me. She's over there. You, she doesn't want me to tell you that. Anyway, uh, so we met, we got married um, this is a picture of my family at our wedding. So on the far left is my brother, Mark. That's my sister, again, in the red. My stepdad is behind her. That's Maurice and me. My mom is on my right, or to the right. And then behind her is my stepbrother, Ryan. And then that's my brother-in-law, Adam. So this is my family. This is my wife's family. Go ahead. You can do it. Yeah. She's, like I said, she's Latina, Catholic. It's funny. It's not, it's not really her family. I just got it off the internet. But... It kind of gets, kind of makes the point. First time I went to a family thing, there were like a thousand people. And uh, yeah, so anyway, I just wanted to show you that. This is, uh, we got pregnant, which is exciting. And uh, we now have two girls, which this is Katie. She looks like an alien there. Um, and then Ella right here, which was just this last September during football season. And this is them together with me. Pretty special. I'm really lucky. Really lucky. So, Katie thought she could make Ella laugh, but babies don't laugh at, you know, seven hours old. So, it's uh, pretty exciting. So, that's just a snap, snapshot of, of who I am, of my life, some of the things that people don't know, some of the things people do know. Um, it's fun to be here. It's fun to share with you guys. Um, I'm really excited about it. Uh, I do Young Life, which is an outreach ministry, which is basically for all the, pe- all the kids that would never come here to a church. Uh, we go out there, and we go find them, and we try to 
connect with them and build relationships with them, and then we preach, and then maybe one of them will come someday to a church and plug into a church and then be an elder at a church and maybe a pastor. So that's kind of what we do. We love it. We love it. We like to have fun and laugh and all that. Um, but we also love to talk about Jesus. That's what we do. So when they said, hey, we want you to preach, you can kind of preach about anything. We have a sermon text that's from the Old Testament. And I was like, oh, I've read that, but I wouldn't know where to start. I'd love to talk about Jesus. And they said, great. So that's what we're going to do. So one of my favorite things about Jesus, here's a, uh, kind of the, the start point for me. And this is kind of the start point for a lot of people that, that do Young Life as well. But this is just the beginning of John's gospel. He talks about how Jesus is the word that became flesh. And the word is really this idea that, that the word is not just words or the word, the Bible, but it's God became flesh and moved into the neighborhood, which I love. I love this idea of moving into the neighborhood, that it's not just this passing, walking through, I saw something. No, it's I moved into the neighborhood and I've, I've seen you. Some of you have probably seen me and you're like, man, that guy's really loud, or he's kind of intense on the sideline, or man, he really likes to put his feet up at church. I don't know what your thoughts are, but I've, I've been doing ministry in San Marino for nine years, and some people know me really well, and some people don't, and that's what we try to do. The best I can say about this idea of God coming to earth is he didn't just move into the neighborhood. The best way I could say is he went camping with us as humans. You ever been camping with your friends? You know, it's like this hyper relational time. Your cell phone doesn't work. There's no TV. You're hanging out with all your friends. You're down by the lake. And it's this amazing relational time. The word is actually tabernacled, that, that God tabernacled with us. But the best I can do is he camped with us. He went to the wilderness and walked around with us and camped with us. And you tell stories of, of camping with your friends in an amazing way, don't you? You tell, different, you tell them different. It's like you were there. It's like when you tell stories from high school of your friends, the silliest friends, the craziest stories of the car accident you got into or the time you ran naked through the woods. Maybe it's just me, but I'm just saying. <laughs> you tell stories differently when you were there and you touched them, right? And when you go camping with people, you come away with like this intense relational moment. And that's how God was with us in Jesus, that Jesus didn't just kind of see us and go, oh, that's sweet, or come down and walk right through and go, yeah, cool, now I kind of get a sense. But he came down here and he camped with us, and he lived with us. It says it this way in 1 John, which I love this. No, go to the next one, sorry. Skip this, I love this. No, next one, 1 John. That one, yeah, nailed it, Mark, that's my boy. From the very first day we were there, taking it all in, we heard it with our own ears, saw it with our own eyes, verified it with our own hands. The word of life appeared right before our eyes. We saw it happen. And now we're telling you in the most sober praise that what we witnessed was incredibly this, the infinite life of God himself took shape before us. I love this. We saw it. We heard it. And now we're telling you so that you can experience it with us. We saw it. We heard it. We, we high-fived him. We hugged him. We ate food with him. I washed his dishes. He washed mine. It was crazy. We were there. I, they tell stories like they were with Jesus, just like you would when you would tell stories back of college or whatever. They were there. He was real. They touched him. They talked to him. They laughed with him. And then they tell us about it so that we can experience the same joy. 
of knowing the God of the universe who shrunk himself down into a body. That's amazing. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing opportunity. And I love this last. If we want to know who God is, go to the next one. If we want to know who God is, we look at Jesus. Because no one has ever seen God, but people saw Jesus. So we look at Jesus and we see the God who cannot be seen. We look at Jesus and see God's original purpose in everything created. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank, everything got started in Jesus and finds its purpose in Jesus. He was there before any of it came into existence and holds it all together right up to this moment. For me, for this church, for this world, that's true. It's true for you too. Your purpose is only found in Jesus. That's it. I want to tell this great story. This is one of my favorite stories in the Gospels. It's from John 9. And uh, we have a cool picture. Back in the day, they used to do this thing called art really well. And uh, now it's just memes. And they're not, it's not artistic, although it's funny. But let me unpack this story. And I think it's a really valuable one. And maybe that picture will help you understand as the story goes. But it's a pretty lengthy story. But it's a great story too. Walking down the street, Jesus saw a man blind from birth. Walking down the street, Jesus saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents causing him to be born blind. Now, I I don't know about you, what your experience has been, but when you walk down the street and you see somebody with a physical disability, or maybe it's a mental disability, my first response isn't, hey, who screwed this whole thing up? Man, who messed up in this person's life that they're this way? And that's exactly how the disciples are with Jesus when they see the blind man. Now, a little context, you guys probably know this, but back in the day, science wasn't super great, okay? And they didn't really know. And so kind of this idea evolved that somehow if you had a disability, that someone in your life had screwed up, that they had sinned. We know that to not be the case now, most of the time, although sometimes there are things in the world that can be destructive to infants or babies in the womb. We know that. But back in the day, they thought there was a direct, direct line between someone's disability and someone's parents sinning or grandparents sinning or even like 10 generations ago sinning. And I love this because they ask him, and he says this. Jesus says, you are asking the wrong question. These guys, they're, Jesus walking down the road. He, first of all, he sees a blind man. Probably, they probably all walk by. All the time, this blind guy. And he stops and sees him. That's pretty impressive to me. It's not like that guy's going to see you. And Jesus sees him. And then they ask a question. He goes, look, you're asking the wrong question. You're looking for someone to blame. There is no such cause and effect here, he says. Look instead for what God can do. Look instead for what God can do. Then he goes on, he kind of makes this sermon for his disciples. 
He says, we need to be energetically at work for the one who sent me here, working while the sun shines because night will fall and the workday will be over. For as long as I am in the world, there is plenty of light. I am the world's light. What's he trying to tell us? And there is something that needs to get going. Life is short. Life is short. And there are important things to do. So Jesus, thinking, man, life is short. There are important things to do. What he does is he spits in the ground. He spits in the ground. It says this. I love this. He said this and then spits in the dust, makes a clay paste with saliva, rubbed the paste on the blind man's and said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. I'm a blind guy there, and I, I have heightened hearing, and all of a sudden, I, I'm not asking for anything. I'm just sitting there, and I hear a guy like huck a loogie into the ground. Now, I might, I might just back up a little bit. That's, I might just back up. And he doesn't do any of that. Why? I don't know the answer to that. But I think he knew something about Jesus. I think he'd probably heard that Jesus saw people. I think he probably heard that Jesus looked at people. I think he probably heard that Jesus heals people. So Jesus makes this clay paste with the saliva. He rubs the paste on the blind man's eyes and says, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which basically just means missionary or the sent one or something like that. I love that. And it says this, the man went, he washed And he saw. Now, born from birth, blind, can't see. He's sitting there, and this guy just spits in the ground, rubs it on his eyes. He goes and does what he says. Didn't even ask for it. And now he can see. He doesn't even know what the guy looks like. All he knows is, I can see. Now, I don't know what you would do. If all of a sudden I went from not being able to see my whole life to seeing, I would probably go look at things. Like that's what I would, I would just go around and I'd be like, what's really pretty? Let me go look at waterfalls or I don't know what's pretty. But that's what he, that's what he doesn't do. So he goes back to his friends. The town is crazy buzzing after he comes back. It says this, his relatives and those who year after year had seen him as a blind man begging were saying, Why isn't this the man we knew who sat here and begged? Others said, it's him. It's got to be him. But others objected. It's not the same man at all. It just kind of looks like him. No, he said, no, it's it's the guy. It's kind of like when you go out to, you go to like Houston's, and there's like a famous person, but you're not sure it's the famous person. You know, this guy's just sitting on the side. He's blind. Everybody kind of knows him as the blind man. And they walk by him all the time. And then all of a sudden he can see. And they're like, no, nah, that's not the same guy. That guy couldn't see. But, and the other guy's like, no, it is. And they get into like this argument with his buddies. And they ask him, how did your eyes get opened? And he says, a man named Jesus, a man named Jesus made a pace and rubbed it on my eyes and told me, go to Siloam and wash. At that point, all he knows is he can see and then a man named Jesus rubbed something on. So where's this guy now? Well, I don't know. I don't even know what I'm looking for is what the guy says. Remember, I couldn't see. Well, they marched him to the religious elites. 
Uh, one of my friends, Dale, calls, it, calls them the serious people. And uh, they're kind of like the judge, jury, executioner or so of the Jewish crew. And they kind of march this guy. And I don't know why they do this. They just kind of do this. This day when Jesus made the paste and healed his blindness was the Sabbath. That's a big no-no. You don't do anything on the Sabbath. You don't do anything on the Sabbath. But listen to this, and I love this. They marched him in front, and the Pharisees grilled him again on how he had come to see. He said, he put a clay paste on my eyes, and I washed, and now I see. Well, some of the Pharisees said, obviously this man can't be from God. He doesn't keep the Sabbath. He's a bad guy. He doesn't follow the rules. Others countered, how can a bad man do miracles God revealing things like this. How could somebody who's bad do that? How could somebody not from God make somebody who was blind see? How could he do that? And so there was kind of this division amongst them. I kind of like the second group a little bit more. I just like them. A little bit, for me, it just resonates a little bit more. But here's the rule. Here's the line. Yeah, but this is a real, it's kind of a greater good. I kind of like this. Well, they came back at the blind man. This is like a trial, more or less. Well, you're the expert. He opened your eyes. What do you say about him? You can see this guy in front of a big crowd of people, these religious, elite, serious, very serious people. And he says, he's a prophet. So already he's moved in this progression from this man who put paste on my eyes to hearing this argument back and forth And he says, he's a prophet. That's not a word you kind of throw around. Prophets are people who speak and do the work of God. And with the religious elite who are in that room, they may not respond kindly to that kind of comment. Well, what what are we? Well, all I know is this guy is a prophet. And this is what I love about them. It says they didn't believe it. They didn't believe the man was blind to begin with, so they called the parents of the man. This is my favorite. They called the parents of the man, now bright-eyed with sight, and they asked them, is this your son? The one you say was born blind, is this him? So how is it that he now sees? The kid is, like, not trustworthy. I don't know how old he was. Somewhere He's older than 13. That's all I know. The parents come in. Is this your son? They just heard this exchange. Well, we know he's our son, and we know he was born blind, but we don't know how he came to see. Having a clue about who opened his eyes? Why don't you ask him? His parents just in there. I don't know where the kid goes. He's probably off seeing stuff again. And the parents come in. What happened? What happened? I don't know. I have no idea. Why don't you ask him? He's of age. And they didn't really want to get into what they believed or thought because they didn't want to get kicked out. Because everybody that was following Jesus at this time was getting booted. Desynagogued is maybe the best way to say it. So if you wanted to, like, follow Jesus, it was like, hey, you know, this isn't really the place for you. So they called the man back a second time. This is, like, so uh, invasive of his life, having just learned to see They called him back a second time, and it says, the man who had been blind and told him, give credit to God. We know this man is a sinner. So they've already made up their mind about who this Jesus is because he did what? He worked on the Sabbath. 
So they call him back, and they're like, yo, this dude is wrong. He's a bad guy. Call him what he is, an imposter. And he goes, you know, I don't know. I'm not going to get into specifics about whether he's a sinner or not. I don't know anything about that. And I love this. I know one thing for sure, one thing only. I was blind. I now see. And it's not just that he says, I was blind. He says, I am the blind man. I am the blind. Everything you've heard about the blind man, everything you've thought, I am the blind man. And now I see. He puts so much emphasis on who his identity is as the blind man. I am the blind man. And now I see. Well, they're not happy with that. What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? I lost 10 pounds one time. And people were like, what'd you do? (laughs) I know blind people. How'd he do it? Well, I told you over and over again, he says, but you don't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Are you eager to become his disciple too? This is, he's getting, he's getting bold. I mean, he's, he's flipping it on them a little bit. This is like, I had an interaction with a judge one time that was, most people don't talk to judges the way you do. And I said, I don't know what that means, but thanks. This is kind of, this is kind of that. Most people don't, don't like crack jokes at the religious leaders who run the, this is crazy. With that, they jumped all over him. And I don't, it doesn't surprise me. You, accusatory you, might be a disciple of that man. But we're disciples of Moses. We know for sure that God spoke to Moses, but we have no idea where Jesus even comes from. Where does he even come from? And the man replies, and I love this. It's a theological lesson, and it's a history lesson. This is amazing, he says to them. You claim to know nothing about him, but the fact is he opened my eyes. Wow. You don't even believe that. And it's well known that God isn't at the beck and call of sinners, but listens carefully to anyone who lives in reverence and does God's will like a prophet. That someone opened the eyes of a man born blind has never been heard of ever. Ever. If this man didn't come from God, he says to them, he wouldn't be able to do anything. anything. He just lays it out there in front of these religious elite scholars, smart people that have dedicated their lives to following God, and he says, wow, you guys are missing it. And they say to him, you're nothing but dirt. They throw him out. You're nothing but dirt. How dare you take that tone with us? And they throw him in the street. And this is what I love about Jesus. This is is what I love about Jesus. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And Jesus went and Jesus found him. Wow. 
he asked him, do you believe in the Son of Man? The man said, point him to me. Point him out to me, sir. I want to believe in him. And Jesus said, you're looking right at him. You're looking right at him. Don't you recognize my voice? And master, I believe, the man said, and he fell down and worshiped him. Jesus said, I came into the world to bring everything into light, everything into the clear light of the day, making all the distinctions clear so that those who have never seen will see. And then those who have made a great pretense of seeing will be exposed as blind. This man, when he first is healed, he's talking with his buddies and his family, and he says, this man helped me see. And as the story goes on, he's in front of the religious leaders, the serious guys, and he says he's a prophet. And when he stands in front of him, after he comes back to find him, he falls at his feet and he calls him Lord. Aren't we all on the same journey? Aren't we all learning about who God is? Aren't we all learning more and more about the ways that he makes us who are blind see? Gosh, if you don't have a story about how you once were blind and now you see, where you don't fall at the feet of the Lord and say, thank you, thank you for everything. The Pharisees overheard him and said, does this mean you're calling us blind? And Jesus said, if you were really blind, you would be blameless. But since you claim to see everything so well, you're accountable for every fault and every failure. What if the church became a group of people that just admitted what we do know, which is that God changed my life? That the God of the universe came to the earth and met me and changed my life? What if we were just people that went around and said, you know, I don't know the specifics. I don't know the arguments. I'm not aware of everything. I don't know your story, everything about it. But I do know this. There was a time in my life where I didn't see. And then I met Jesus. And I could see. There's all kinds of people on this journey. There's all kinds of people that are hurting. But I'll tell you this. Christ dwells only with sinners. Christ dwells only with sinners. And we carry ourselves in a way that it's not that. Christ ceases to dwell. Be people that will say you're blind. Let me pray. God, be with us. Thanks for helping us see. Thanks for caring about us enough to talk about that. Help us to be humble people. In Jesus' name, amen.